They get 12 offensive rebounds, we get four. It's on me. Nobody saves the day. We're gonna have a hell of a reset on Saturday. There's no wind in space. All right, welcome back to another edition of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. Cody Worsham joined by Harrison Valentine. Harrison, you sound better today. You look better today. Good to be back. Thanks for holding it down on my mic on. <laughs> no, your mic wasn't on. Turn your mic on, Harrison. Come on, man. It's your fault. It was my fault. I forgot to. I turned up mic two instead of mic three. Good to be for back. Reason, for some Thanks reason, for holding, Thanks yeah. for holding it down in the last episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, I enjoyed your open, even though I will argue I'm always ready to boot up. No matter, uh, no matter the circumstance, debatable. Um, you violated rule number one, but we're going to let you make it up. Yeah, but great week to be a Tiger, especially on the hardwood. Uh, eight no, eight no. I think one of thirteen teams now is it left in college basketball? Well, uh, undefeated. That's a good question. Let's uh, let's check Ken Con- uh, Ken Pomeroy's Twitter um, as Christian Verde, our talented social media. What would you call him? Account manager? I don't know what the yeah, official like title it. is. The guy who tweets from the LSU basketball account. He said, Ken Palm hasn't mentioned our name yet because, of course, Ken Palm uh, always tweets when the unbeaten teams go down to zero. So his last tweet is from December 4th. Unbeaten teams remaining, 12. Sorry, DePaul. So one of 12 unbeatens, unless that's been uh, updated in the last couple of days. But I don't Fighting think Tigers of LSU are one of them. Fighting Tigers of LSU are one of them. They are also number 25 in the AP poll today. Uh, still LSU versus the world, though. Well, let's look at it objectively. The AP poll is a subjective poll. Also out today is the net rankings, and LSU is number two in the net rankings now, as Kent Lowe will be the first to tell you. The polls are very volatile this early in the season, and he's right. The 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 net rankings shift quite a bit. Um, what also stood out to me when I looked at the net rankings, LSU has nine more quad one opportunities on the schedule, and that's like... it. It'll shift. The ones and twos will shift, and as the net rankings change. But there's, man, the, t- the start of that yeah, SEC that schedule. Yeah, the SEC play is brutal. Is brutal, which is probably why bothered Bill was back after the last press conference, and you were there. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But since we last spoke, or since the last episode of the podcast, we didn't speak. You listened. I spoke. Um, LSU has played three games. LSU has won three games to improve to eight and zero. They won, um, what was the event called in Destin? Emerald I'm, Coast Classic. Thank you. The trophy's awesome, yeah. by the way. Have you seen the trophy? I actually have a, a gif of Xavier Pinson with the trophy. So the, tra- the I have a story about the trophy. So we have a basketball 365 meeting every two weeks. Will brought, or maybe it was Nelson. Nelson, one of them brought the trophy to the, the basketball 365 meeting. It is a great looking trophy. Yeah. Um, and there was a story about... I think Gaines, for some reason, really likes the trophy. And so yeah. he was holding it everywhere and walking around with it, and he had it on his lap and, and the, on the plane, and Will walked up to him and said, Gaines, you're not allowed to, to hold the trophy. You might turn the trophy over. We can't have you holding the trophy. I saw Gaines was uh, the trophy. bear-hugging the trophy on the he, gold standard. He, he loved the trophy. Um, one thing that I haven't done so far, and I, I apologize, I've dropped the ball here. We have Tari Eason on this show. I have an interview with Tari Eason that I did before the season. Um, Garrison Floyd, shout-out to Garrison, who's doing a great job on gold standard. 
he's a, the video production specialist that that is covering basketball this year and putting together that behind the scenes documentary, which you have, if you haven't watched it yet, just go and watch it. It's unbelievable access and um, coverage and storytelling from Garrison. But through that project, I did four or five interviews before the season with him. And this is one of those. So it is from before the season is from before Tari Eason became the force that he is right now. And we'll talk about that in a second, because it's definitely a storyline that we need to touch on. Um, But we kind of got into his background and some evergreen stuff. So it's, it was a good conversation with him. You'll kind of see where he comes from and what has fueled his incredible start to the season, which we are about to deep dive on. I have numbers. I've been doing a lot of research, watching a lot of film on, on Tari and really the whole team. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about these last three games. Not necessarily the individual games, although I know you took a lot of notes during those games. And so you can touch on those things. Um, but more what we've learned about this team um, from those three games. I think the, the first storyline is you go to... Uh, an MTE, a multiple team event, and win. I think LSU's record was four and six under Will Wade in these MTEs, and um, and they were able to go and, and win two games: one against Penn State, and then one against Wake Forest. The Penn State one in overtime that was uh, that was a that was a that a, was an ugly a, a, an ugly win, but it showed you that LSU could win them ugly. And then a Wake Forest performance that was um, a bit better. And Wake Forest, by the way, up to fifty nine in Ken Palm. And that's their only loss. And they have wins over Northwestern, who's 37, and Virginia Tech. They just blew out Virginia Tech by yeah. 19 on the road um, to start ACC play. How are they starting ACC play already? My goodness. Um, but that's that's a, that's a, the more they succeed, that might be why LSU's in the, in, number two in the net. Um, but those two, those two games, Harrison, um, before we talk about the Ohio game, which had a, a slightly different tone yeah. uh, afterward, and I know you were at that press conference, but what did you learn from LSU's uh, two games in Destin? Well, first off, we got to see Bothered Bill uh, Wednesday night, and we got to see what's the, what's the opposite of Bothered Bill uh, when he's like happy. Yeah, I don't know. Let me workshop it. I I'll, I'll think about the it. The video in the locker room of uh, them dancing was was really cool. You know, they talked about um, or he stressed that these early season tournaments have not been something that they've yeah done well in, and he really made it a point that you know getting these two wins were really important for the program and. Um, it was a really cool video uh, in the locker room, but um, how about like thrilled will will the thrill? Like, I, I feel like we got to stop nicknaming him. I yeah. feel like it's kind of disrespectful. Well, and if he heard this, what I noticed in the second, it would game, not go well for us. The second game for me underscored, or this is the Wake Forest game I'm talking about. Um, how much you know? I love this new brand of basketball for LSU. You saw a little bit of everything uh, in that sense. Multiple guys diving for loose balls, um, defensive uh, possessions that wore the other team out, ball movement, balance scoring. I think seven players, uh, I said in the press conference, seven players scored nine points or more in that yep. game. So it was a yep. really balanced, you know, attack. And I just remember watching the game and saying, like, man, like, I really love this new brand of, of basketball. And I think the best sequence, I have right here in my notes, the best sequence I can remember was uh, Murray and Days both dove headfirst uh, for the ball, secured the possession, Pinson moved it up the floor and found Tari, who made the extra pass to Fudge. It really, you know, who, who completed the slam? It was like a it was like a chef's kiss possession. Was that the game? Unless you got four technicals, to get four technicals know. in that game, I feel like they got four technicals in the game. Is that the game where Fudge dunked on the guy and patted his head and looked yep, at him? Yeah, and, and there was a great gif of Will saying, "You can't get do one that, too? Fudge." Didn't Mawani get one? Mawani too? Had, he one. had that block. He had that block that was called a foul. Yeah, Mawani. Mawani had. There were there were four. I remember there were four, and so um, that's that's my biggest memory of 
of that game. Um, which, by the way, before the season, Will told me, like, yeah, we might be a team that gets a few technicals this year. Like, we got yeah. some some demeanor about us. But in that game, 14 steals for LSU, yep. and they continue to be dominant on 21 that. 21 turnovers forced. Yeah. And that, look, it was – I think what was encouraging about those two games is we saw LSU's defensive improvements against ULM in Texas State, in Liberty, in McNeese. And that, that was great. Like, Liberty's a, a good team, and Texas State is going to be a good team. Um, you saw them play really well against Belmont. That was encouraging. Those were all home games. They were advantageous. They were um, they were conditions where everything was right. Right? They were Goldilocks games. These were neutral site games against experienced Power Five teams who go play in Cameron Indoor Stadium and who go play in Chapel Hill and who go play at Ohio State and at Indiana and at some of the at Assembly Hall and some of the best venues in college basketball. So they're not phased by any of this, and, and neither of these teams was phased by LSU. LSU just beat them. Yeah, they just they just suffocated them defensively, which this team can do. And their their defense in those those early games against ULM and Texas State and McNeese translated to teams with legit Power Five yeah. talent. They're and so in, they're like they're so instinctive defensively. I, I so I have right here seven. Uh, steals alone just for Xavier uh, Pinson. Yeah, Pinson had seven steals in that um, point four. But it was also great to see LSU keep it around that 12 to 17 point range for most of the second half against Yeah, Wade. that was the other thing I remember um, about the Wake Forest game was that they... It, it, they maintained the lead. They kept it and maintained it. And this is a, this was a trend that carried over into the Ohio game, and I know Will wasn't happy about um, LSU's play after the Ohio game. And I already know what the episode of this, the title of this episode is going to be. It's going to be a hell of a reset because that's what he talked about after the Ohio game. And we're going to play that sound in a second. But I think what you saw in both the Wake Forest game and the Ohio game was LSU's ability to get out in front and just keep the other team at arm's length. Like, you know, the gifts, like, I feel like this is a cartoon trope where like there's a little guy and a big guy and the big guy just, you know, puts his hand on top of the little guy's head and the little guy's just swinging, mm -hmm. can't reach the yeah. big guy, right? Like, I feel like that's what LSU is defensively. They're able to build these leads um, because they're streaky offensively right now, and they can make these runs. They can get hot and and score nine points, 12 points really quick, and then defensively they just, they just like I, I keep saying it, they suffocate you, and they put a vice grip on you, and so they make these runs and build a double-digit lead, and then they just don't let you back in it. Yeah, because their defense is so good. So even when they go through these frustrating possessions offensively, they had some against Wake Forest, they had some against Ohio, more against Ohio. They they still are so good defensively that you never get back in. So you give all this energy to get four points, six points, and then you look up at the at the clock and and you've cut the the twelve point deficit to eight. Yeah, and then LSU goes and so really more in that Ohio game, but it happened that Wake Forest game too. The four-point lead became an eight-point lead. The eight-point lead became a 12-point lead. The 12-point lead became a 16-point lead. And it's not this back-and-forth wild affair. It's just – that's why I call it a vice grip. It's just they slowly, slowly Darth Vader you, right? They, they reach their hand out and use the force and just slowly take the oxygen out of the room. Uh, I would hate playing against this LSU team. Yeah. Hate. There you, are teams you, in the past at LSU that I'd love to play against. Like, oh, I get some shots up. I would hate playing against this team. You've been posting a lot of uh, defensive stats on Twitter. Um, yes, I have a lot today, of good defensive stats. Three of the six defenders in the country are from LSU, or, or 
That's, that was the defensive, defensive rating. That was um, the defensive rating stat. Now, with, individual uh, defensive rating is kind of a weird stat. Yeah. Like some, like let me be perfectly transparent. Sometimes I tweet these stats out, and they're kind of like, I I know, like I know they're like a little stretch, right? Like individual defensive rating is kind of a hard rating to, to calculate. The teams that have the best team defensive ratings are going to have the best individual defensive ratings. But I think it is telling that. There's six players that in the top six players. There's three LSU players on that list. And Tar, who is it? Tar Eason, Mwani Wilkinson. Days, yeah. It feels like Darius Mwani's. And if you look up any defensive stat okay. possible, Mwani's so just in the top five. We could get into the Mwani stuff. He's number one in the country in uh, defensive box plus minus, which is phenomenal. Um, I'll go back and pull that on, on Twitter. Uh, he's the only, let me see if I have that Mwani stat. He's the only player in the country with a steal rate of 7% or better and a block rate of 4% better. Tari Eason is the only player in the country with a block rate of 9% better and a steal rate of 4.5% better. And then of the 14 players in the country with a block and steal rate over 4%, three of them play for LSU, Mawani, Tari, and Fudge. Mm-hmm. So you've got legitimate elite defensive personnel that's in a system. Like how many – Harrison, I don't know how much college basketball you watch outside of LSU. I don't watch much. I used oh, to watch yeah. it all the time. Me like, too. I don't anymore. Um I don't know how many teams run this defense that LSU runs, where everything's switching, and they're switching one through five. They're, uh, it's man, that's a nightmare to play against, and teams are really, really struggling with it. That's why you're seeing the turnover numbers. While we're talking about LSU's defense, first in field goal percentage defense in the country, second in scoring defense, fifth in scoring margin, third in steals per game, nine in turnovers force, eleventh in turnover margin. This is eleventh in field free throw percentage, so that's an offensive stat. They're fifth in adjusted defensive efficiency, fourth in, in effective field goal percentage, tw- uh, seventh in, in turnover percentage, third in two-point percentage, fourth in block percentage, first in steal percentage. It doesn't hurt when you've got seven guys who can contribute on every given night in, in the scoring sheet, and then you've got Mawani who you know averages, like Will said, five steals a game or something like that. It's And is the best he is the best individual defender that I've ever seen at LSU, period, bar none. I, I haven't watched LSU. I've watched LSU basketball since the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't remember those days particularly well. Um, but in the last 20 years, it's him and Tyrus Thomas, who we were yeah. hoping to get on this show, and we'll get Tyrus on later in the season throughout the year. Like those are, and, and Garrett Temple. That's like the three best defensive players that LSU's had. And Mawani is as capable defensively as either of those guys. He's not as proven yet. He hadn't done it on the big stage. He hadn't gotten to a Final Four like those guys did. But, I mean, whoever LSU plays this year, like when you get to crunch time, when you get to the Alabamas and the Tennessees and the Auburns and you got to take away the other team's best score, you yep. put five on them and, and it's going to be fine. Um, he, he's, he's absolutely elite. Here, here's my favorite stat about LSU's defense. Uh, teams are taking 50% of their attempts against LSU from three. Now, sometimes three-point attempt rate isn't necessarily – like a, a, an indicator of how good you are defensively. The national average is 38%, okay? But teams are taking 50% of their attempts from three, and they're shooting 27% on those attempts. This is what that means. Because LSU's switching everything, there's no gaps in the defense. Keeping you outside the perimeter. Because there's no gaps in the defense, teams are just chucking up contested threes. And the next time you go on a little tangent, I could probably pull up the synergy numbers on how many of um, LSU's attempts are, uh, or their opponent's attempts are contested it's going to be a bunch of them. It's yeah. going to be up there in, in the country because it's the way their scheme is designed and their scheme is designed to maximize their personnel and their personnel perfectly fits the scheme. 
it, it, it's been a couple year process. Will put in this switching defense, I think, last year for the first time, and it was, you know, the, the personnel wasn't quite there. But it's it's finally you're seeing that lagging indicator. It's caught up, and you're at the Ohio game, right? So I was in the building, but that was the day that we announced, yeah, announced Brian yeah. Kelly as head um, coach. So I was I was preoccupied and and had one eye on the the basketball game and another eye on forgot other stuff. that Ohio didn't score their first point until like 11 minutes left to go in the, in the first half. It looked like it was going to go uh, easy going in, in the game there, but shot selection um, wasn't great in the first half and kind of allowed them to get back in the game. Yeah. We'll, we'll pivot to LSU's offense in a second. When, when I, part of my experience of the game was I went up and sat with my parents in the stands and we were sitting right next to the Ohio fans. And there was one Ohio fan there, like, kind of go back and forth to the student section. He was like, don't yell at me. We gave you Joe yeah. Burrow. Like there was yeah. some of that fun banner going on. But what stood out to me was the atmosphere. There was another great crowd. 12,000 people there, probably 11,000 people. Student record for the year, right? Student record. Was it, was it 2,300, 2,700? 2,200. 2,200. Yep. Um, incredible atmosphere. Especially for a midweek game with finals coming up. I mean, it. when we sat down in these basketball 365 meetings and in the fall, and we're, this was the time of year where we were like, man, we really got to do something to get the fans there. And it's a credit to Dave Haskin, his team, Nelson Hernandez on, on Will's staff. They've worked hard on this together. Um, this was the time of year we were concerned, like, can we get people to these, what Matt Laborde, the administrator for basketball, would call a, a Will Wade special? Like The Will Wade special is the team that isn't the, you know, the big-name foe, but that absolutely makes your, your net ranking better mm-hmm. because it's a quality win, uh, i.e. LSU being number two in the net right now. That's a product of Will's very intentional scheduling. He crunches all the metrics. He figures out which team is going to be very, very high and help us with the net, but we can still beat them and play them at home, and they're willing to come here. Like It's a very, very complicated process that he navigates very, very efficiently. And the question was, can we get fans to these Will Wade specials? Well, that question's been answered. Shout out to the student section, the Balcony Bengals, the whole crew of students that have been turning out. I know the Canes helps, but the, the basketball and the defense doesn't hurt either. Players made a clear post game too. Like they're super appreciative and I know Efton Reader was like, It is it's been huge. The the fan support so far and they, they feed off of it and they feed off the energy. So it's been awesome. And they're you know, I mean, Efton's not the best example because he wasn't here last year, but they're coming off a year where there just weren't fans in the stands. Yeah. Right. And so now to have those um to have those fans in the stands is it's it's gotta be absolutely Game-changing. Um, I want to see if there's a couple more defensive stats that I want to rattle off. Um, can Before we talk about the offense and the offensive problems and play that that Will um, soundbite where he's he's not happy, mm-hmm. can we just talk about Tari Eason? Can't say enough about Tari. He, he's going to be on the, the show later with the interview, but I already went with some of the stats, like only player in the country, the block rate of 9% better, steal rate of 4.5% or better. Um, Tari Eason is playing too good right now like it's yeah. making me nervous he's playing so well that i'm worried he's going to play himself into an nba draft spot which got like if he does he deserves it and go on and start the next level because that's what he looks like right now he looks like an yeah. nba wing he looks like the prototypical nba three he's at that level he's probably still somewhere between a three and a four but he's developing so quickly on his three skills that like if i'm an nba gm i'm looking at him and i'm like i want that guy on my team mostly because of the defensive stuff and we'll talk about that in a second but he's playing so, so well right now, and LSU is so lucky to have him. And I, I look, I, I want him to thrive, obviously, and everything that he gives LSU this year is uh, is is absolutely phenomenal. He's he's just been so good, man. How about when he spun the ball around his waist in transition and just dunked it right in the defender's face? 
Yeah, he's he's got that to him. Um, he he's got his offensive skill is beyond what I expected. Um, and 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 what I expected was just based on numbers. Like I hadn't watched his tape before he came here. Um, I was like, all right, he's going to come in. He's going to grab a bunch of rebounds, and you know he'll he'll score around the basket some. Uh, he he's got much more to his game than that. He's um, his usage rate is is high. He's I'm taking shots on his his usage rate is basically 30, which is that star level usage rate. But he's his uh, effective field goal and, and true uh, shooting percentage numbers are still really really good. Of course, he's rebounding the ball. Twenty uh, points, five rebounds, five steals, and three blocks on yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, but he but he's he's shooting eighty two percent at the line. Yeah. He's shooting fifty seven percent on twos. He's going to be a thirty plus percent shooter from three. Six twenty one on the season. Those numbers are go up. He's he's a good three point shooter. He's a credible three point shooter. He is LSU's best offensive weapon. Like when they when they need a bucket, he's in the game and he's getting the bucket. Now it it, it poses some interesting not 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 problems, but questions for Will to answer that we'll talk about in a second. But as good as he's been offensively, like defensively, he's a monster. He is an NBA-level defender right now. If you take his, the stat I t- talked about earlier with his block rate and and steal rate, you take that in his free throw percentage, and NBA scouts are looking at that and like, yeah, he's a pro. Like, he's, yeah. no question he's a pro. But here, here's just some individual numbers for him. He's first nationally in defensive rating, 65.5 points per 100 possessions. He's fifth in win shares per 40 minutes. Sixth in defensive box plus minus. Seventh in box plus minus. Ninth in defensive win shares. When he's on the floor, LSU scores 113 points per 100 possessions and gives up 72 plus 41 per 100 possessions. Like a, a typical basketball game is like 75. So that's a when he's in the game, LSU's blowing out teams by 30 every game. When he's off the floor, LSU scores only 98 points per, per 100 possessions. So what's that, 15 less than when he's on the floor, and they give up 77, which is five more. So it goes from plus 41 when he's on the floor to just plus 21 when he's off the floor. It's a net of 20. I mean, that's that's the kind of impact that Difference he's making. Maker. He's um He's been phenomenal. What, what have you seen from him so far? Um, he's just flying around. I mean, he's one of the best two-way players in the country right now, makes things happen both ends of the floor. Um, like I said, you know, 20 points, five rebounds, five steals, three blocks. By the way, I learned... A new basketball term from you uh, in one of your tweets. Yeah, stocks, blocks and re- uh, blocks and steals combined. Yes, um, that's a that's a big NBA uh, term. Yeah. They, they they look for stocks when they're looking for elite defenders. And against Ohio, I was just rewatching um, you know the the final five minutes, and he was the reason LSU was able to creep you know creep uh, not creep ahead but lengthen their lead. He yeah, had, he had a dunk uh, an N one. Um, got to the line like he was the reason why LSU was able to le- lengthen their lead and um he's just been huge and John Rothstein might be the, the chairman of the of the Tar Eastern fan club but I'm not too far behind I would fight John Rothstein for that spot <laughs> like I'll, I will fight you he John loves Tari. you know he, he's tweeting about Tari all the time yeah he, he does look there's there's a lot to love he's a phenomenal player um not just the way he plays his attitude his approach dude he's doing all this coming off the bench yeah like how unselfish is that he's He's been That's LSU's crazy. best player on the season. I don't think there's any question about that. Darius Day's got off to a phenomenal start, but when you look at two-way impact and, and consistency from game one to, to game eight, he's been their best player. And he's come off the bench for every game. And I guarantee you he's not in Will Wade's office saying, it's time to start yeah. me, coach. It's time to start me. Um, he's happy to play this role because he knows what really matters is who finishes the game and who starts it. But there is an interesting quandary, and I think this transitions us to 
the discussion around LSU's offense and the hell of a reset that Will Wade has been um, promising and preaching for his team. I, I guess we should go ahead and play that audio. Are we are we good with playing that audio? Yeah. Do you want like a recap of what the press conference is like in person? Yeah, let's play the audio first, and then we'll uh, we'll do that. Let me turn this up. We have a ten day break. I just need to get to the ten day break. Basically, what we've you know we've we've had some slippage in some areas. It hasn't been noticeable because we've been winning and all that sort of stuff. And I needed to get to this break to reset everything. And we're going to have a hell of a reset on Saturday. We've got to work on our offense. We've got to work on our ball movement, our ball sticks. Just just we're we're so poor on offense. It's my fault. I got to coach them better. I got to help us out. We get four offensive rebounds because one we don't give great effort on the glass, but two we don't ever move the ball. So if you don't move the ball, you can't get them behind the play and you can't get on the offensive glass. They get 12 offensive rebounds. We get four. And we missed 26 Let's shots. Let's do some live commentary on this. He's fired up right now. Yeah, he gets out in transition. He, he gets some blinding. Nobody saved the day. We didn't play rights. well. I mean, even the TV. Nobody saved the day. Team 17 turnovers. Two, two games in a row. Sheldon, that's yeah. the question. We, I mean, we don't, we don't value each possession. We don't value the ball. If you don't shoot it well, you, you might as well get a shot every possession. Sometimes we don't even get shots every he gets possession. really mad, and you can tell they that he's happy that he's balls. Mad. We shot yeah. 49. He's not happy here. They outshot us by 20. You're not winning that way. This is not sustainable. He's correct about that, That's what way. we all got to understand. We turn the ball over. We can't Even the TV guys in the back. Double you know, away screen. I mean, sure how many times is five and one going to run through a pass? They did it like three times tonight. We got nine assists, seven turnovers between the two point guards. Not good enough. Not good enough. That's on me. I coach the point guards. I'm the one who watches film with them. I'm the one who sends them the ball screenettes. I obviously ain't doing a very good job. I love job. how he takes accountability too, though. Yeah. I'm obviously not doing a very good job because we just get the ball taken from us. We make bad reads sometimes. It's on me. Thanks to uh, Kevin Batiste who posted that that condensed version of Will Wade's press conference. That's after you beat a good Ohio team yeah, love it. by 15 and played really well defensively. Um, it's got f- a thousand likes on Twitter. It's been quote tweeted a million times. Um, we were, I was kind of joking in the beginning there. Like he kind of start, like sometimes he'll start these rants. He's got like a little like half smile, like, like he's kind of enjoying it, but then he <laughs> kind of listens to himself and gets angrier and angrier. Um, but look, it's legitimate. Like he is legitimately upset because LSU's not playing to the standard that he wants uh, on both ends of the floor. Well, one end of the floor offensively. Like you were there. Did, yep. did it feel legitimate? It did. You know, you, you got to love it though. It's a win. But if they if they want to go the places that they want to go, you know, he knows that some of the play he saw isn't sustainable. Like he said, like seventeen turnovers, not valuing each possession. Uh, Ohio took sixty eight shots to LSU's forty nine. Um, you know, there's been some. He said there's been some split uh, slippage in some areas that hasn't been noticeable because of the winning. But um, he he was especially gave a, a, a sly smirk when he talked about that uh, that ten day um, break to to reset some things. And Saturday was was going to be a, a fun one for them. Yeah, I Kent. I saw Kent this morning, and, and he was like, a, he he basically made some comment about hopefully they've. Uh, the team has survived the last couple practices. I've yeah. been in a couple practices uh, when he's had a, an angry post-game press conference and they've been intense. I, I love this quote that Brandon Chambers, who uh, is on Will's staff at Chambers Hoops on Twitter, posted. He said, do not accept in victory what you wouldn't accept in defeat. Um, that's And then he said, Coach Wade is meticulous and detail-oriented, demands perfection, execution, and effort, cares about players on and off the court. Um, like he, that's, that's Will Wade in a nutshell. The first 
one of the first times I ever spent any time with him, he was picking up trash outside the weight room, 6 a.m. in the morning, waiting on his guys to show up. Like, every detail matters for him. Um, he has game standards that go beyond the scoreboard, and the team's not meeting them right now offensively, and so they've got some things to fix. Yeah, you took some questions on Twitter. There were a couple that okay. I thought, well, we don't need to go to that right now, but there was one that I wanted to highlight. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think the 10 day, like this reset looks like for LSU offensively? Well, I'll, before I answer that, I'll say one thing. I bet if you went back and looked at Will's press conferences pre, like the last three, four, five years that he's been in LSU before this break, I bet they're all pretty heated. Yeah. I think he goes into this time of year intentionally, like this is when teams let their foot off the gas, right? Like I, I remember this time of year very, very vividly when I was at Nichols, um, things really slow down. Um, it got really practices got really hard for the scout team and then the starters like it really eased off for them. Um, it's a time of year where you've been grinding, you've been grinding, you get a little break, you focus on academics, you kind of take it easier in the gym. And so there's a tendency for players to want to let up. And I think he's keenly, keenly aware of that. And so he's probably had, I, I would guess the practices have been very intense, very physical, but controlled. Like, I don't think he's in there like, a, like everything that they do is pre-planned and thoroughly thought through like he didn't walk in there like a madman on Saturday and just start screaming and throwing chairs like he had a very specific plan now I'm sure there was a lot of screaming but it was planned strategic screaming yeah um but the question about the offense I think there's a couple things that you can do um one I think you've you've got to move the ball a little bit more um on the pass against the dribble like the ball the old cliche is the ball moves faster in the air than it does on the court, so pass and move, pass and move. So I think a lot of ball reversal. Um, this is a team that is really good in transition. When they get in the half court, they get a little stagnant. And I feel like, speaking of transition, it's almost an offense that's in transition from what it used to be, which is ball screen heavy, ISO heavy, to what it should be now, which is more ball movement, passing in the post, cut off the post, screen around the perimeter, spot up shooting. And so I think they've got to continue to refine that identity. But the biggest thing for me is your point guard play. It's got to be Pinson, and it's got to be Gaines pulling the strings, right? Like, not... We've seen the explosive plays out of both of them. We've seen the highlights out of both of them. It's got to be more pulling the strings, coach on the floor, getting guys to their spots, getting the ball moving, ball reversals, make the defense move, make the defense work. Um, right now, LSU's winning because they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country defensively. They're explosive in transition, and then they can get hot offensively. They've got to develop some consistent identity besides give it to Tari and let him go, days get hot from three, or dump it into Efton Reed and make moves. Now, that will be an increased part of it, I think. More Efton Reed, more him in the post. I think they might try to expand Brandon Murray's role a little bit. Yeah, and be a guy that talks about getting more touches. Getting be, be a guy that comes off screens and is a an off-ball mover. Um, so there's a few little tweaks that you can make there, but to me, it's all it's all about the point cards. Like, you've got to run the show. You've got to get your guys in the right spot. It's not, it's not going to be a numbers thing with them necessarily, other than turnovers, assisted turnover, um, but it's it's going to be on them, and it's going to be one of those things you're going to have to see with your eyes. It's going to have to pass the the eye test rather than the the the, the scorecard test or the, the, the stat box test. Um, but that's to me, that's where it starts. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score here. Days did have his second double-double of the year, 12 and 13. Um, he had that collision at the end of the game, too. His lip was bleeding in the post-game interviews. I think Days has to get back, and I think that was a good a good start, but I think there's still a little more transition 
um, to that. For the last five games, where did I, where did I put those stats? Kent gave me the stats for the uh, last five games. I think I have them on my desk somewhere, but I may have moved them. Um, I could I could add them up real quickly. Last five games, he's one of five from three, one of six from three, zero of four from three, one of four from three, one of four from three. So that's four of 12, 20, four of twenty five from three. That's sixteen percent. Yeah. Um, he's he's better than sixteen percent three point shooter, but he's also not the sixty five percent shooter that he was to start the season. Um, right now in the season, he's twenty of forty eight, forty one percent. That's that's about right. He's probably about where he where he should be. He's about a 40% three-point shooter. I think he has to get back to some of the stuff he did in previous seasons. And, and one stat stands out to me. In Days' sophomore year, he was second in the SEC in offensive rebounding percentage in conference play. He grabbed 14% of available offensive rebounds. This year, he's at 5.2%. Now, his role's changed. Don't He's not the the dirty work guy that he, he used to be. He's not the fourth player. He's got to be a primary option. But I think he has to get back a little bit to his roots, start inside, get some easy buckets, get going that way, and then step out. And then develop. I'm not saying take the three-point shot out of the game. That's still his his calling card. He's worked hard on it, but um, and he's, he's an exceptional shooter. I just think he needs to get a little more interior stuff done. And when you look at his offensive rebounding numbers – um, he had four against McNeese State, but in every other game, the most he's had is one or two, and he's had a couple games with zero. So get get back to what you do where, like last year, it's you know three against St. Bonaventure, four against Alabama, four against Ole Miss, like four against Mississippi State. He was constantly getting offensive rebounds and putbacks and giving himself easy opportunities, and I think the more he does that, the more everything else opens up for him. Yeah, I, I can definitely see once you know, SEC play starts to roll around, him starting to get hot again and he like you said like the the early season shooting was not sustainable i mean he was shooting the the lights out of the place but he's 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 gonna bounce back is it what do you is it just the shots aren't falling like where do you attribute I th- I this little slump so, i think to? some of it's shot selection i think he's catching shooting pretty quick and there were shots he was making earlier in the season so now that they're not falling i think it's 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 mostly shots, shots. From everywhere i mean he was yeah, he, he was he was hitting everything. I mean, let's go back and look. He had eight of nine against ULM, four of seven against Texas State, three of four against Liberty, four of nine against McNeese. Um, I'm sorry, these are those are I mixed up some three point and, and two point numbers. Eight of nine against ULM, three of six against Texas State, five of ten against Liberty, including like what was that four or five in the second half? Um, I think some of it's shot selection, some of it's just random, you know, numbers just regressing to the mean, regressing to average. Um, but I, I think it'd be fine. I just think he needs to get get himself going some easier buckets. Now, there's one other question for LSU lineup-wise, rotation-wise, and I'm curious if it happens. I don't I don't think it will, but it might. Who are, who, who would you say are LSU's three best offensive players? Um, this, is, this is not an opinion question. This is a right or wrong question, so don't get it wrong get or, you're, right. or you're punished. Tari? Yes. Days. Yes. And I would say he's a bucket and a half. How many moves does he have around the rim? Efton. An F ton. All right. That's see. that's your three best offensive players. Your three most consistent, skilled. They're the first three names on the scouting report in terms of we got to stop these guys. Um, but they can't play together, or they haven't played together. I should say. Um. 
Efton Reed is a five. He's a pure five. Darius Days and Tari Eason are fours who can play, who play smaller than a four sometimes, like in terms of their skill set. They can step out and shoot threes. Um, they can put the ball on the floor, but they're both fours. And so those three guys have not played together all season. I'm curious if there's a way to get them all in there together. I don't know if there is. It may be a disaster. It may not work who, whatsoever. Who, who are you Talking about Efton Reed, Tari East, and Darius Days. Okay. Playing all three of those guys together on the floor at the same time. It has not happened all season. And I don't know if it can. Can you put your two point guards out there with those three guys? Is there enough ball handling out there? Can you press in that system? Um, can you switch everything in that system the way that you want to? Is there enough shooting in that system? I don't know. Um, but when you do that, you also take Mwani off the court probably, who is your best individual defensive player. Or maybe you have Mawani in there with a point guard. I don't know. There's some lineup combinations that haven't been used yet that, look, you're 8-0. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it might be interesting to see if you're struggling to score the ball, maybe getting Days, Eason, and Reed all on the floor at the same time. Is it too crowded in the paint at that point? Maybe. I don't know. It might be a terrible idea that never works. But it might be something worth trying, at least in spurts. Good problems to have. you got too much depth. Yeah, and I think there are probably other solutions that Will Wade will go for um, that are less that are less radical. That's you know three bigs, especially in the modern game. You play against a team that's got three or four guards out there. A lot of the, I mean, a lot of it's about who you're playing against too. Um, like let's look at Georgia Tech. They're I don't know anything about Georgia Tech because I haven't looked at them. Five yet. That's, three two. Two of their three losses are to Wisconsin and North Carolina, though. Yeah, both of those are home games, but they've. Um, but that's two top 30 teams in Ken Palm. Um, but I'm looking at like their their most common lineups, which is available on uh, Ken Palm. They have like their depth chart over the past five games. They're a little bigger. I mean, they're 6'5 at shooting guard, 6'6 at small forward, 6'7 at power forward, 6'10 at center. That might be an opportunity to to go a little bit bigger and play those three together. I don't know. I, I literally know nothing about Georgia Tech other than Josh Pastner's their, their their coach, and Greg Graber uh, might be a little torn on this game. Shout out to Greg Graber, LSU, one of LSU's mental performance coaches, uh, who I think has, has a long-standing relationship with both Will and Josh Pastner. So um, but that's that'll be a fun game in in Atlanta in a big big venue for LSU against a, a well-tested team that um, is, is, is a good 5-3 and three team and will give LSU some trouble. But the point is, you know, maybe we see LSU experiment with that that system. I don't know. Going, going a little bit bigger. Um, the real one jumped out of the gym on on Wednesday night. Did you see his uh, <laughs> tomahawk dunk? No, I didn't see I it. When was that? Fell out of my seat in the press box. What point in the game was that? Uh, I think it was in the first half. Was that pre-halftime accent gate or post-halftime accent pre. gate? I think that was pre. Yeah, that accent gate was ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's for a different podcast. Yes. Wait, but hold on. No, actually, it's for this podcast because you're here. Where yeah. are you from, Harrison? New Jersey. You're from New Jersey. So, do you want my I, take? I, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna get okay. your take in a second. So, when when I heard, I didn't notice anything when I Coach was Kelly was talking about the court. I yeah. ran down. I wanted to get a video. I saw Brian Kelly was coming out, and place was jumping. Place was electric. I didn't notice anything the first time I heard it live. Didn't notice anything the first time I watched it on video. Had to go back and watch it and was like, I still, I'm still kind of missing it here. Like, am I taking crazy pills? So I asked a few people. It seems like the consensus is that people here and people from here aren't really seeing it. People elsewhere 
are seeing it, hearing it. Well, and so I'm then a, I then I'm I saw a, you and I was like, Harrison, yeah. you're from New Jersey. I am. What did you hear? I'm a northerner, and what I heard was no southern accent whatsoever. Let's go. I heard case closed. I heard the one word that's in question is family, but I heard it was like a he was like a jumbled word. He yeah. was trying to say one word and yeah. said another. Stupid. This is stupid. Um, I can't believe we're was, talking about this. It's yeah. So stupid. It is stupid. It it's not stupid of you to talk about it. I teed you up for it. This is dumb. Com- okay. Complete, completely just I'm, gl- I'm glad we addressed blown it. Blown out of proportion. It's done now. Like, it's done. We've, we've addressed it on the podcast. It's done. <laughs> if anyone else asks you about it, it's done. Uh, is there anything else that we need to get to for this one? I'm looking at my notes. And know. before we get to the Tari Eason interview, I feel like there was one thing left out there that um, we haven't touched on. But I don't know. I'm looking at my notes, and it looks like we've talked about all this stuff. So, Not sure. I've... Pretty much got everything in my notes covered. How about uh, this stat? This one's from Jake Steinhardt on Twitter. Um, this is LSU men's basketball all-time player efficiency ratings since the stat was recorded in 2009-2010. Let's start at number five. Number five, Cam Thomas last year, 24.1. Surprise at number four, 2019-20, Emmett Williams, 24.7. Number three, this year, Darius Days, 25.2. Number two, 2015-16, future number one pick, Ben Simmons, 29.0. Number one this season, Tari Eason, 34.0 PER, which is like the, I mean, that's the gold standard of NBA stats at least. Um, That's the kind of season he's having so far. And we'll get get Tyrus on um, later. He's having a Tyrus sort of season to me. Um, more, More of an offensive weapon than Tyrus. Tyrus was an energy defensive monster dunk everything um he was more of like a complimentary piece to big baby that eventually became like the most dominant complimentary piece imaginable tari's having a similar sort of surge to me where like he's shooting up draft boards and he's he's you know i don't want to say shocking the world because i I think people who saw his game before would have seen this coming or, or some version of this and you'll hear him talk about that a little bit in the interview but he's he's sort of emerged. Um, he's an emerging star. He, he's Did on you the rise. This kind of impact preseason. No, for, from Tari or no. I like I thought he, but. I thought he'd be a sixth man, and I thought he'd be a double figures guy for the most. I thought he'd be like a ten and six, ten and eight guy. You know, occasionally a fourteen and you know a fourteen and seven or something. But he's he's been LSU's go to weapon, and it's it's been encouraging to see. One of our first podcasts, we talked about. The X factor, who 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 would step up with uh, Adam Miller's absence, and we're throwing out names. It was Tari our our guest or something? I forget who. We <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I was big on Brandon Murray just because he had to step yeah. up and 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 be a bigger part. But um, Tari's just taken the bull by the horns and just been phenomenal. So I think uh, I think you know we we talked a little bit about LSU's offensive issues. I think he's going to be a huge um, part of the solution because of of how good. He's been. Uh, all right, coming up next for LSU, Georgia Tech on Saturday, uh, Northwestern State on Tuesday, and then that's at home. And then Louisiana Tech, neutral site up in Bossier City uh, on the 18th. So it's a little bit of a break now. Today's the 6th. They're off this week for finals. We'll have a nice little break here. And then three games next week. I guess we'll probably get back together after that Tuesday Northwestern State game. Sounds good to me. Maybe preview that uh, Louisiana Tech game and look at what LSU did against Georgia Tech and in, uh, in Northwestern State and see if maybe they got uh, some of their offensive uh, woes sorted out and continue their defensive dominance. It's also too bad the uh, Kentucky game is the same. Same night as the bowl, bowl game. game. So yeah. you got to figure that out. Yeah. Man, I really want to be that Kentucky game. Man, 
it, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. The SEC start for LSU at Auburn, 14th at Ken, Ken Palm. I think I may have even said this on the last podcast. Kentucky at home, 16th at Ken Palm. Tennessee at home, 10th at Ken Palm. Florida on the road, 19th at Ken Palm. <laughs> Arkansas <laughs> at home, 25th at Ken Palm. At Alabama, 9th. At Tennessee, 10th. I mean, that first, how many games was that? Eight? The PMAS going to be the place to be. Three, four, five, six, seven. Those first seven SEC games are absolutely brutal. Um, And that's that's why Will sounded like he did after Ohio. Because he's not worried about Ohio in December. No offense to Ohio. He's not worried about Georgia Tech in December. Now, he's worried about them. Don't get me wrong. But long term, that's not the bigger concern. The bigger concern is... Man, when we play those first seven SEC games, like if we're going to win five or six of them, seven of them, we got to score the ball better. Yeah. And so I, I think the talent is there and the system is there. They just got to get it, um, just got to get it cleaned up a little bit. But um, I think that, they will. That defense will carry them a long way. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, yeah. PMAX is going to be the place to be in January. It will be. And beyond. And, and in December. And if it, don't leave out December and February, Harrison. Yes. March, too. A couple, one March game. It'll be fun. Uh, all right, let's start to our interview with uh, Tari Eason. Great conversation with him from before the season. Um, just as good of a as good of a basketball player as, as he is, he's as good as uh, an interview, um, and he's just a, a fascinating guy. We talked a little about his past and his childhood and uh, growing up as a Celtics fan, or his mom is a Celtics fan wow. in Los Angeles, which is a rare combo. Um, but we also talked about some conspiracy theories, which uh, he, he's an, he's an interesting guy. Uh, there's more to him than basketball, but he's pretty good at basketball too. So let's throw it to the interview with LSU sophomore forward, Tari Eason. All right, good to spend a few minutes here with LSU sophomore forward, Tari Eason. Tari, appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, all right, how'd you get here? LSU you, at Cincinnati last year, made the decision to transfer. What, what went into that? What, what were you looking for in your next school? Uh, just a place where, you know, I could call it home. Uh, I really wanted a family type of vibe, you know, this time. Or I really wanted a coach that believed in me as well, though. And I think, you know, from the, from the jump, Coach Wade, you know, he kind of told me how much he believed in me and, you know, what he had seen for my game and, you know, the plans he had and the things that he could, you know, see me doing for this program. So I just really wanted to, wanted to go to a team and a coach that, that really believed in me. That was big. What was your first impression of Will on that? whatever, it was a recruiting visit or a phone call, and he's making the sales pitch. What was your first impression of him? Uh, he's, a, he's a cool guy, for sure. I mean, you don't get a lot of coaches that are that, you know, just sort of like cool, you know, cool with their players. Just just a cool person, you know, a cool person to talk to, ball with, um, talk ball with. So, yeah, that was definitely my first impression. How detailed was his sales pitch to you? He's breaking down your game. Did he know your game pretty well? Yeah, nah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we had a couple calls. Um, you know, he broke, he broke down my game. He said, you know, he seen kind of flashes, you know, the things that I could do and stuff like that. And then we had a more official kind of Zoom call probably like, a week after that and it was very detailed basically all my stats everything I shot from every spot it was it was <laughs> it was very thorough for sure so obviously Will's a detail oriented guy that that comes across when he's recruiting you and then you get here right how, how much more attention to detail are you paying attention to your game now now that that's sort of the culture you're in um, a lot. I mean, I try to work on my game every day, um, you know, multiple times a day. I'm always trying to get better. I'm all for getting better. That's, you know, why I'm here. That's 
just my main goal every day is just to get better. You know what I'm saying? You know, keep stacking days. It's kind of like a kind of like a motto around here. So that's really what I've been trying to do is just you know stack good days together and. and just just be be happy to be a part of the process yeah i got a sneak peek of the first episode of gold standard and i saw at the end y'all kind of did the stacking days yeah thing sure. after after nickels um how, how much have you worked on specific facets of your game from last year to this year like what did you do well as a freshman and then what did you want to work on heading into your sophomore season yeah so um i think as a freshman last year at cincinnati um I showcased my athleticism more than anything, which, you know, a lot of people knew I was athletic. I didn't really get to showcase a lot of my skill, um, you know, for, for you know, any, any reason. It doesn't really, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. it doesn't really matter. But this year, I think um, I'm kind of showing more of what I can do, the things that I've been able to do, showcasing my skills that I've been working on my shot a mm-hmm. lot, ball handling. You know, I'm not a complete player, so there's nothing I won't work on, you know, for real, honestly. I mean, except maybe, like, dunking. And even then, I still love to dunk. I dunk after every workout. So, um, for me, yeah, I I just try to improve on anything, anything and everything I can improve on because I'm not a complete player yet, so, sure. Take me back to your hometown. Are you from Seattle? I'm from Los Angeles. You're from Los Angeles. But I moved to Seattle, Washington uh, a couple days before my freshman year of high school. Okay. Well, tell me about growing up in Los Angeles and and sort of falling in love with the game of basketball. What drew you to basketball? Um, I don't know. It's just been uh, just since since day one, I feel like it it failed me. I just gravitated towards Mm -hmm. it. You know, my mom... You know, probably when I was two two years old and one year she got me a little tight, you know, basketball mm-hmm. rim and from then on it's just been all about basketball, you know what I'm saying? I played other sports here and there, baseball, football, but there's there's nothing like basketball. Yeah. So. Lakers fan growing up? No. My mom was a diehard Boston Celtics fan. Oh, which a is Boston crazy. Celtics fan in LA. Yeah, which is crazy, <laughs> I know. But you know how kids are. I mean, my mom said, you know, she grew up in the Magic Johnson Lakers Showtime era. Yeah. You know, her mom's rooted for the Lakers and as a kid, you know, you want to be contrarian. Pick team, yeah, yeah, pick the other team. So my mom, you know, became a diehard Boston Celtics fan for that. And okay. for me, I was I was always it was never really a team. It was always LeBron. Yeah. So I, wherever LeBron goes, you know, I go. So right now I'm I'm a diehard Lakers fan right now, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you moved to Seattle, when did you sort of become a prospect, right? Like you go from being a guy that loves basketball and you're a good player, probably the best player on your team growing up in, you know, fifth, sixth grade or whatever. When did you go from that to being a prospect? When did you make that jump? Um, Yeah, so for me, becoming a prospect was I had a different path, you know, than other people. For me, um, it's kind of slow in the beginning. I didn't really have any offers, you know, freshman, Hmm. you know, sophomore year. I didn't really even play a lot, to be honest. Um, And then my sophomore summer, I went to, uh, you know, I changed, you know, AAU teams during the middle of summer and played up 17U. And my first tournament there, I got my first offer. So um, from junior year on, I became, you know, a a prospect. Would that that feeling feel like when you get that first offer? Exciting. Exciting. At least lets you know that, you know, all the work you put in, you know, it's not for nothing. And, you know, your goals are achievable. And that's, that's really what it's been about. Who motivates you? What are your motivations? Um, I try to motivate myself, but I mean, my my family really mo- motivates me a lot. You know what I'm saying? I, I know how, you know, important this season is to me and, and my family and, and really everybody on the team. You know what I'm saying? I just so I'm just really trying to just lock in on being the best version I can for for obviously my family and my team. 
Tell, tell me about your family. Who, who, brothers, sisters, you only child? What, what's, what was your setup like growing up? Um, you know, I was raised, you know, it was just me and my mom hmm. for a lot of the time growing up. Um, and then, you know, I have a little brother now named, you know, Tega, and I have some other brothers, you know, around. But uh, it was just me and my mom growing up mainly. And, uh, you know, it, me and hers, you know, any AAU basketball game, travel balls, you know, she some way, somehow, she always got me there. Hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? She's really been really big, you know, part of this process and me just, you know, becoming me, instilling, you know, a work ethic in me, you know, just, just, a, just a mentality that that a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, may not have, and I, I'm forever grateful for it. What, uh, what does she do growing up? She played basketball, too. Okay. Yeah. she teach you how to play? Was she your, your, your uh, first coach? Yes and no. I mean, she, she always knows, like, little things here yeah. and there. You know what I'm saying? She was one of, the, like, the top, you know, rebounders in the state. So she knows oh, really? Me. Yeah, yeah. So she knows a lot about, like, just where the ball is going to go like that. Yeah. She was also a really good, you know, blocker. When I was young, she'd make me, you know, drive to the basket and finish over. She's pretty tall. She's 6'2". So, okay. yeah, like, she used to make me, you know, finish over, or finish over around her and, you know, find other ways to score and stuff like that. So Did she play in college or just high school? Just high school okay for those who haven't seen your game yet how would you kind of define your yourself as a player uh just someone who could do it all you know what i'm saying just someone who's gonna you know get the win by any means necessary and someone who's gonna do it all you know you need a bucket you need an assist you need a rebound you need to steal you need to stop anything i just can do it all how did it feel to put on purple and gold the first time this weekend and and go out there and get a win and get 22 and 15? Man, it was special. You know what I'm saying? I, I my high school was purple, so you know what I'm saying. Just continuing that whole thing, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. You know, I I really enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait to just you know continue to you know put on the jersey and hopefully represent this school and program well. When you get 22 and 15, that makes a statement, right? People are like, oh, Tari Eason, like you got 22 and 15. Um, as you're playing, could you sense that you were having a big game? I know you were down guys, and you probably had a bigger role to play, but could you sense that you were having a big game, or are you in a, like kind of in the moment kind of guy? Nah, for sure. Uh, I don't. I don't think I was really like a sense of having a big game. For me, it was just you know playing, playing with my teammates, playing the best you know version of basketball. I was really just you know locked in on on getting the win, and you know whatever it took for us to get the win, I did. All right, so we're in this group called Basketball 365, and we meet um, with coach and administration. We talk about basketball year-round. So they gave us a cheat sheet on all you guys and little fun facts. And one of yours was that um, you juggle, right? Is that your, your hidden skill? Yeah, I mean, I could juggle. I could do a lot of things, well, you know what I'm saying? T- tell me about what you can do. I can juggle. Uh, I can rap. I can sing. I can't sing for y'all right now. I can sing, <laughs> I was I can sing about to say, I'll put bit. you on the spot. Yeah, I can sing a little bit. Uh, I can dance. Yeah, like, there's a, there's a couple things I can do, yeah. Sharif, uh, I guess I should have name-dropped him. Somebody, a.k.a. Sharif, gave me a, a hint that you're into conspiracy theories. Uh, <laughs> yes and no. For me, I just, I like to look at things some, sometimes how people, like, you know, don't want to look at things, yeah. you know, for me. Uh, I've always looked at things just a little bit differently, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to look at both sides, sure. and then I want to look at how both sides happen, how yeah. this happened, you know what I'm saying? So I've always been an over-analyzer, I guess, okay. uh, of, of certain things, or you know, if something doesn't make you know sense, I try to you know figure it out, so yeah. Okay, so when I, when I played in college, the, one of the first team rules was we had to pick a conspiracy theory. We had right. to pick one and like adopt it as our own. So like the moon landing was fake. That's, or, that's one I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm I, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna ask you. Like which one are you like? Which one are you passionate about? Which okay. Uh, 
the moon landing for being fake i don't think i'm passionate about it <laughs> but i think i definitely but you've done your homework yeah i've done my homework and i just it doesn't it doesn't it's not it's not it's not that's not adding up for me <laughs> red flag specifically sure. give me like one detail that just is off for you there i mean for one we haven't been there in like Years and when they try to put some regular people to go up there, something unfortunate happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On top of the fact, there's no wind in space. Supposedly, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why was the flag? You know, so there's just a, there's a there's a lot of things that just didn't didn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, what um what else do you kind of put your your mind towards besides basketball, besides conspiracy theories? What what else do you kind of like to focus your your mind on? Whether it's you know away from the game and in your downtime or. Um, what, what do you kind of like to spend your time with? Um, I'm really trying to just focus on just kind of just being the best, like mentally, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say. So just trying to like um, work on creating better habits. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially mentally, you know what I'm saying? Not trying to, you know, if I miss a shot, not trying to be negative. Yep. Or, you know what I'm saying? Just really trying to elevate my mind in, in all different types of ways. So how much do you enjoy working with the mental performance team? Are there's Greg Graber or Joel Fish or Bruce, yeah, that group. How much have they taught you so far? For sure, uh, Bruce. Bruce is my guy, man. Yeah. He's 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 super cool, you know. So, you know, we talk and you know we have good conversations and stuff like that. And I tell him, you know, about certain things that are going on in my life and certain things that you know I'm working on. And he, he's been real helpful. Have you process. tried Have you tried any of the meditation stuff or anything like that yet? Yeah, um, like for like my mom, you know, for example, she kind of instilled you know the positive affirmations and stuff like that nice. me since I was young so nice. meditation and stuff like that she uh she always trying to you know get me to do last year I did a little bit of it before games oh, nice. and stuff like that so yeah I've definitely you know tried to meditate before. what's kind of your pregame routine uh it, it can vary for real to be honest like sometimes I might meditate other times I might just want to listen to music you yeah. know what I'm saying but either one of the, either one of those two really get me locked in I'll still listen to music even probably after I meditate so. yeah when you talk about positive affirmations are you the type that likes to write stuff down and put it up around the house or in your locker or anything like that um there's some affirmations I might say to myself in the morning stuff yeah. like that yeah. gotcha what how about goals for this season are you a goal setter do you try to set specific goals or do you kind of go with the flow and, and just take it a day at a time for me I'm just trying to take it a day at a time I'm not really even focused on um you know, individual goals or anything like that. I'm just trying to, you know, be the best possible version of me I can be every day and everything will take care of itself in the end. What's been your experience at Baton Rouge so far in LSU? It's been great. You know, the fans, the community, everybody loves LSU. Everybody loves the Tigers. You know what I'm saying? Every day, you know, I'm walking from class, I see a group of elementary school kids or something like that looking at the Tiger or just tourists coming around. They love the Tiger. They love the just whole environment that LSU has going on. So it's pretty cool how excited are you to get out there on the in the pmac floor and play super, in front of fans I'm and play super excited i can't put on wait that purple and gold i can't wait awesome tar you appreciate your time man thank you sir thank you appreciate that